to the program. I'm Jeff Schechter. It's hard to believe from the rhetoric coming from both sides of the campaign trail this year, but there once was a time when policy mattered, when candidates on both sides talked about programs and public policy. Perhaps it was Reagan wanting to shrink the size of government and drown it in a bathtub, or Bill Clinton declaring that the era of big government is over. But the fact is, we've stopped looking to government as an institution of proactive change. While it still may have a role in a crisis, as we saw in 2008-2009, its larger role to shape the betterment of life in America has long ago reached some kind of perigee. Perhaps the last time policy really mattered was during the time of LBJ and the Great Society. We're going to go back and look at this period today with my guest, Randall Woods. He's the John A. Cooper Distinguished Professor of History at the University of Arkansas. He's the author of 10 previous books. He's a former dean of Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences and a past president of the Society for Historians of American Foreign Relations. He served as a Fulbright senior scholar in both Germany and Argentina and as a Mellon visiting scholar at Cambridge. It is my pleasure to welcome Randall Woods here to talk about Prisoners of Hope, Lyndon B. Johnson and the Great Society and the Limits of Liberalism. Randall Woods, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. When we look at the Great Society today, when we look at the New Deal, and we look at these dramatic events that policy really shaped, it's hard to imagine it, I suppose, in a contemporary sense, in, in, in the time where Congress does so little, when policy is so little discussed. It really, even though we think of the Great Society as only, you know, 40-some-odd years ago, it's a kind of historical anachronism in contemporary terms. It is. We, it, 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 you know, to, to use a cliche, in the 60s was really the last time uh, politics at the national level Worked. It, it was a different era. Um, it uh, Johnson was uh, the one of the least partisan presidents uh, in American history. He got he reached out to uh, Republicans, particularly moderate and business Republicans. He actually got more Republican votes in 1964 than Barry Goldwater did. And the achievements, the landmarks of the Great Society. The Civil Rights Acts of 1963, the Voting Rights Act, Medicare, federal aid to education, um, the war on poverty, clean air, clean water, all of those uh, measures were passed with bipartisan support and could not have passed uh, without uh, uh, Republican-Democratic cooperation. It was a different time, too, in, in, in Congress. Uh, today, congressmen and senators are surrounded by huge entourages. They they hardly get to know each other. In that day and time, uh, even people on opposite ends of the ideological spectrum knew each other and, and, and respected each other. And, and I think that had a lot to do with the, um, the fact that, that, that politics did work then. To try and better understand what Johnson was trying to do and, and to understand the Great Society, one of the things you do is contrast it with the New Deal and talk about the ways that it was fundamentally different. Tell us about that. Well, the, as much as the New Deal accomplished, uh, the Great Society, uh, if, you, if you look back at the tw uh, great reform movements of the 20th century, populism, progressivism, and the New Deal, the Great Society remains the only reform regime to address the issue of racial uh, injustice directly. Uh, the, the other reform movements, including the New Deal, for various reasons, finessed that. 
but uh, the first and foremost, the, the Great Society was about uh, legislation and policy change to end discrimination uh, and to provide opportunity. Uh, again, the Equal Accommodations Act, the Voting Rights Act, the Fair Housing Act of, of 1968, even uh, uh, Medicare, uh, which led to the desegregation of Southern hospitals, and the uh, Elementary and Secondary Education Act, um, which led to the desegregation of schools, were civil rights acts. So that's that's one of the great uh, differences. Um, the the reforms of the 60s took place during a period of relative prosperity, uh, if, if particularly for working-class white Americans. And the New Deal, of course, uh, was a product of the Great Depression and, and uh, extreme economic want. Um, the, the, the New Deal was, uh, in, in a sense, um, it didn't involve class warfare, but it, but it, but it certainly involved class conflict. Um, and uh, th that was not the case in, during the 60s. Johnson uh, was determined to build consensus uh, that reached across racial and, and class lines. Um, he tried to avoid uh, social and economic conflict as much as possible. Of course, it, it's like the imp of the perverse followed him, uh, though, because you know the, the Civil Rights Acts uh, created a rising level of expectations uh, in the North, and uh, when those weren't met, uh, you had uh, rioting and 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 uh, the white backlash. Um, so, and and those make them different from uh, you know from from the New Deal. One of the aspects that you really focus on is the way that the Great Society programs really was a major departure not just from the New Deal, but from other populist and progressive movements in that it really actively focused on racial issues and the plight of African Americans in the country. Talk about that. Well, the, the, uh, the, the, the Johnson um, was a, an ardent New Dealer. Uh, the, uh, the New Deal made some gestures toward the black community, but it, it really was trying to save the white working class families and it, it, it really privileged uh, white males uh, in, in, in the workforce. Uh, now Roosevelt talked about a new kind of, of, of set of rights, positive rights, uh, as, as opposed to the, the old negative rights, the freedom of religion, freedom of, of speech. He, uh, uh, Roosevelt talked about positive rights, the right to a good education, the right to a job, the right to adequate health care. Uh, but and, and it, it was a promise that, that really remained unfulfilled. Um, and and uh, Johnson uh, was determined to you know to fulfill that promise. Uh, there's no question about the fact that the 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 New Deal grew uh, the federal government. The government increased in size and authority. New bureaucracies. There are more than thousand pieces of legislation. Uh, conservatives decry that, but uh, there have been millions of Americans that have, have benefited from that. One of the things, it, one of the chords that it struck in, in reading this is that when you see the way progressive movements and populist movements in the past, from the New Deal, even a little bit before and, and after, before the Great Society, ignored the racial issues, ignored the problems and the plight of blacks, particularly in cities, 
it's somehow easier to understand the disconnect that somebody like Bernie Sanders is having today with the black community. Uh, that's right. I think that you you see um, uh, the the really the, the the Hillary Clinton is is more um, part of the tradition, mm-hmm. uh, the Johnson uh, uh, New Deal, uh, Great Society tradition, with its emphasis on uh, equality of opportunity uh, and uh, uh, access full access to all aspects of American citizenship. Uh, Sanders is 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 talking about um, a kind of um, European style uh, democratic socialism, which is which is simply not going to to resonate in this country uh, with with a significant number of people. I think, particularly in the African American community, and particularly in the African American community, mm-hmm. the the she she, she uh, Hillary represents. Uh, something that is tried and true, um, and, and and traces its roots back to uh, to the 1960s and the Democratic Party's commitment to to, to racial justice. Mm-hmm. One of the thin points you make is that that the Great Society and that approach today in talking about that tradition today is a more optimistic one than the New Deal, which was more pessimistic, as you talk about it. That's right. The, the the New Deal really believed uh, that the that the economy had had grown as much as it could grow, and uh, that uh, that the idea was to better manage uh, the status quo to bring about economic and social justice. Uh, the you know the the Johnson period the, the economy grew dramatically after the Kennedy tax cut, uh, and, uh, and 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 there was a. Uh, a sense of optimism. Uh, the the uh, Johnson's economic advisors argued that that the the economy was operating well below um, full production, and uh, that uh, with uh, fiscal and uh, um, uh, commercial policies, the the government could could bring about full employment. So there was um, an op- economic opportunity. There's economic room. To uh, to provide opportunity for uh, for disadvantaged. Talk a little bit about the impact that bringing in civil rights issues and racial issues had on Johnson being able to move forward with various parts of his Great Society program because of the impact that it had in in Congress, particularly on representatives from the South. He had to, yeah. The various elements of the Great Society uh, had to be passed in a certain uh, order. Uh, Johnson, um, the, the 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 one of the principal obstacles to federal aid to education was uh, was opposition from Southern segregationists uh, seeing federal aid to education as a as a tool for uh, to bring about integration. Well, uh, the 1964 Equal Accommodations Act. Uh, made that a moot moot issue. It was uh, no longer possible to discriminate uh, in in um, in areas uh, which received federal funding. So that was taken off the table, and, and it made passage of um, of the Elementary and Secondary Education Act uh, much easier. Race figured in, in 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 all of these issues, and Johnson had to um, his principal. Achievement, perhaps, was to persuade uh, Southern segregationists 
they couldn't vote for civil rights measures, but he persuaded them to to acquiesce in 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 their in their passage. And so you didn't see in the South the massive resistance uh, that that followed in the wake of the Brown decision. Uh, you didn't see that in the wake of the passage of the sixty three and sixty four Civil Rights Acts. And how much of that was simply because of Johnson's sheer force of of personality and his ability to to really understand where he needed Congress to be, where he needed these senators and representatives to be? Well, I mean, the the achievements, civil rights achievements of the 1960s were a function of of obviously the partnership between Martin Luther King and, and Lyndon Johnson, and their respective followers, uh, but but Johnson uh, Johnson was a, a political uh, genius, uh, really. Uh, he he understood he understood uh, what issues congressmen and women and senators could vote for and what they could not. And he never asked a person to vote to cast a vote that would defeat them. But but he but but if if they could cast a progressive vote that wouldn't defeat him, he really insisted that they do that. The other thing was that Johnson was himself a Southerner, and it, it is perhaps uh, only from a Southerner that the South would accept uh, the uh, civil rights uh, legislation that was passed in the 1960s. Richard Russell, the arch-segregationist from Georgia, uh, said that. He said uh, people, someone like Jack Kennedy could never have gotten uh, civil rights measures through Congress. Only a, only a, a Southerner, uh, a fellow Southerner, could have done that. To what extent did Johnson reach economic limits in what he was able to do because so much money was being siphoned off towards the war in Vietnam? The, uh, and he understood that. Uh, and uh, the war in Vietnam, uh, you know, put a... Put a a, a roof over over how, how uh, over over the great society, uh, and you begin to see uh, and 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 uh, after the urban riding began, conservatives uh, argued that, uh, that, uh, that that there wasn't enough money for guns and butter that uh, that given the war we couldn't spend money on domestic programs. Uh, so uh, both economically and politically, the war uh, increasingly crippled the great society. And you see, you see continued reform after '66, but usually with measures that didn't cost a, a lot of money: uh, clean air, clean water, more regu- regulatory legislation. So, so uh, there was. Um, uh, now, and, and Johnson sensed that from, from the beginning. He 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 was deeply conflicted, uh, uh, anguished about the war. He was reluctant to uh, to get in. He understood that ultimately it was going to cripple his domestic uh, policies. But uh, he felt anti-communism was so strong in this country, such a powerful force that he 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 he, he succumbed to it. To what extent are the Echoes of these great society programs that you talk about in Prisoners of Hope, to what extent are they still echoing within our political discussion today as you see it? Well, I think, you know, all, most of the major issues uh, that, uh, that, that are in the headlines today uh, trace their roots back uh, in contemporary history to the 1960s. I didn't mention the Immigration Act of 1965, one of the principal achievements of the Great Society, which eliminated national origins uh, as a as as a basis for admitting people to this country, 
and, and increased diversity in, 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 dramatically in this country. Well, immigration is a major issue today. Um, the Medicare was passed during that period, uh, and uh, of course, uh, the debate over Obamacare and national health care uh, is 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 really a, a, a legacy of that. Um, certainly, we you know we we are still debating. The, the limits to which the federal government should go in, 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 in regulating uh, business to protect the environment. Uh, those, those debates, uh, uh, the policies that are being discussed really originated during that period. Clean air, clean water, consumer protection. So uh, it, it, this, is a, this is a, what we're experiencing now is a kind of, 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 of ongoing debate about these, about these issues. It's interesting, though, because we're debating these issues almost in the same way they were debated back in the 1960s, not only a political context, but a context with respect to every other part of society that's entirely different today. Mm, Yes, yeah, it is. It is. It's it's different. The context is different. Then Johnson was, uh, and the Great Society was on the tail end of a of a period in American history that began with the New Deal and, and Second World War, when the American people actually trusted the federal government, actually believed that it was a, a, a positive for a force for for good in society. But uh, beginning with Vietnam and Watergate, there's been uh, you know an in, increasing distrust, mistrust of government on the on the part of the of the American people. And uh, a, 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 an ongoing questioning of, of its very motives, even a questioning of, of the efficacy of, of politics, and and that's created a, a context uh, today in which uh, something like the Great Society would be almost unthinkable, impossible to happen. When you talk about this period, looking back at it, and the limits of liberalism, what, what do you specifically mean by that? In, in essence, uh, the the architects of the Great Society, particularly when they were trying in, in the war on poverty, were trying to find uh, a way and, and dealing with the issue of the cultural po- of, of poverty. And, and they, they, they began to look at the family. They began to look at the dynamics of the family, uh, not only uh, black families in the inner city, but white families in Appalachia. And uh, they began to devise programs that would uh, counter the culture of poverty. Uh, but uh, Head Start, um, uh, you know, food stamps, federal programs. Uh, but they found, uh, you know, themselves up. You know, they began to reach a, a kind of uh, a level of intervention that was Orwellian. Uh, that that was that, that recall 1984, uh, and, and so which which horrified them. And and so they 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 realized that that there was just in terms of social engineering, if if um, democracy and the, and the sanctity of the in, individual was to be preserved, the, the government to, couldn't go any further. Mm-hmm. And of course, the the response to that is what we saw in large measure during during the Reagan administration. That's right. That's right. They, they, the, and the, what happened in 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 '67 and '68 uh, uh, with the polarization over Vietnam, and particularly the white backlash 
um, in uh, the wake of the urban riots, uh, particularly Detroit, you had the, emer- the it provided an opportunity for for the new right. This was a period when Ronald Reagan was coming into his own, uh, and and uh, they they began to emphasize the war on 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 crime, and and actually blamed the New Deal. I'm sorry, blamed the Great Society for causing uh, the war, uh, the the uh, the urban rioting. They 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 refused to make a distinction between conventional crime and, and urban unrest, uh, they equated the two. They argued that the great society in creating a culture of dependency, undermining individual initiative and responsibility, uh, was, was, was leading, uh, leading to this violence. And so the war on crime became a kind of war on, the, war on poverty, if you, if you will. Uh, and 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 that that continued into the the Reagan administration. You know, the, the conservative mantra, part of this conservative mantra in the in the 1980s was that the Great Society was a massive failure. That, that instead of creating having positive results, were the source of most of the major social and economic ills in the country. It's interesting to the extent that you talk about the war on crime being essentially a war on on the Great Society. And the aftermath of all of that, which we're still talking about today with this discussion about the crime bill during the Clinton administration and the impact that it had on urban communities and the debate that's going on now about crime policy and incarceration policy. I know. uh, The the Hinton book from the war on poverty to to the war on crime led to the incarceration state. It's... uh, uh, and, and that, you know, that I think that's that it, it, its root. You trace the roots of that phenomena back to that that period uh, in, in the late 1960s. To what extent, when you look back at the Great Society, can we say parts of it were successful, parts of it failed? Oh, I think that's uh, I think that's that's definitely true. I, I, I think that um, the Many within on the left and and even in the civil rights movement became disillusioned with the, with the with the war on poverty and its emphasis on on job training and uh, and economic opportunity, particularly in in the cities. There were there were institutional barriers which which the Great Society didn't didn't address. I mean, in the inner city, you have you know people couldn't didn't have the means of the transportation. To, to get to where the jobs were, uh, there, there was uh, institutionalized racism in housing, uh, the, the inadequate uh, 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 services, and, and some argued that 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 uh, what was needed was was uh, was a guaranteed income. That uh, that uh, uh, the problem was basically. Uh, a minimum income level, which which Johnson could not accept philosophically and, and politically. Uh, you know, the Model Cities program was a noble dream, but it, it was a it was a failure. It was a drop in the bucket. Um, and the 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 money that was the 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 Great Society um, uh, was dramatically underfunded. Uh, for 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 the war on poverty to have succeeded, uh, the, the investment would would have to have to been multiples of what it was. So it it, it was it, it achieved many things, but but uh, it 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 um, was still an unfulfilled promise, and it certainly didn't it certainly didn't eradicate racism from from American society. Randall Woods, his book is Prisoners of Hope, Lyndon B. Johnson and the Great Society and the Limits of Liberalism. 
Randall, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Thank you.